Okay, we're going to move into God's Word at this point, a great time in our uh, moments together as we have an opportunity to see more what God would share to us. Uh, as I've already mentioned, uh, we're sort of in the midst of a Valentine's Day theme, and so we, before we actually move into the text, uh, just a couple of interesting fun facts about Valentine's Day. Uh, you may not have known that Valentine's Day actually was uh, initially uh, officially acknowledged acknowledged all the way back in the 5th century. It was done by a guy named uh, Pope Galatius. Um, however, it wasn't until the 1400s that the first Valentine's Day card was issued. It was uh, given by a French medieval duke named Charles to his wife. And I'm sure he scored lots of points by doing that. Well, we're here in 2021 now, and we continue to do that idea of giving cards, of candy, of gifts. In fact, we spend an incredible amount of money in doing a little homework here. I found that we spend somewhere between 20 and 30 billion dollars in America on gifts for loved ones, for our significant others. But those significant others aren't always um, our spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends. Sometimes, in fact, they are our pets. Um, you may be surprised to know that in our country, uh, we spend about $750 million each year on gifts for pets. Um, also surprising, at least to me, cats seem to get pets or seem to get gifts more than dogs at a ratio of about two to one. Um, who'd have thought? Anyway, um, uh, just a little bit of uh, Valentine's Day information there for you, um, because this is a season, a time in which we acknowledge love, which, as we've already referenced, fits so nicely uh, with our faith and who our God is. And so uh, we're going to continue on in our series this morning, uh, What on Earth Am I Here for um, And we talked two weeks ago when we started this series uh, by looking at the idea and, and sort of focusing on that idea of calling, um, sort of that idea of what it is that God has placed us here for, who it is that God's desiring us to be. Uh, we mentioned that, that this whole concept is, is given over 700 times in Scripture, this idea of, of calling. And so it's a very uh, prevalent part of God's plan for us. And we see, in fact, that, that there's actually a very a tight connection between uh, God's calling for us and God's love for us, God's calling and love. And, and so we see that there in the very uh, passage that we've looked at before in Romans 8 28, where uh, we read these words, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we'll see that as we go throughout our time this morning that there's just this connection that keeps surfacing at just about every place that we look. So as we think about this idea, we're progressing now in this idea of calling, one of the things that we discover is that our first calling in life, sort of tying in with that idea of, of God's purpose for us, our, our, our first calling in life is to be loved and in love with God. Uh, our first calling in life is to love and be loved by God. Uh, so what that means is that God desires to be in, in very close relationship with us. Now, of course, like any relationship, uh, that requires two people. We, uh, we have to be both the giver and the recipient uh, of love. And we see that that's true in terms of love as it speaks to us as Christ followers. 
We know that God has love for us. God's always had love for us, for God so loved the world. In fact, not only does he have love for us, but in terms of this relationship, he's the one that initiated this love. And so we see in 1 John 4, 19, these words, we love because he first loved us. But again, uh, for there to be a relationship, oh, we have to respond with love as well. And so again, back to that passage in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. That's me and that's you. We're called to be those ones who love God. And if you think about it for, for just a moment and, and allow yourself to, to dwell on that, that the message behind that is, is extraordinary. From the very beginning, uh, before the Big Bang happened, before God breathed into existence, existence, God had love for us. God's desire, God's plan for us was to be in a, in a love relationship with him. And that idea is just staggering, at least to me. Now, it shouldn't be completely surprising to us, as we've already mentioned in our service this morning. That's in part because that's just the nature of God. God is love. And again, think carefully about what that means. It's not just that God has love. It's not just that God shows love. It's that God is love. In 1 John 4, 8, we read, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He's the embodiment of love. It's, it's, it's literally in his DNA. It's a part of his, his character of who he is. And so he's uh, in desire of a relationship with us that's founded in, in love, and he desires from us a relationship in turn with him that has as its base that idea of love. And as we think about this, we, we discover that we can have this kind of personal, intimate relationship with God because he's revealed himself really in, in if you think of it as an onion and peeling away the layers, four different ways, four different sort of levels to that. The first one of those is that God reveals himself as Lord. Now, if you look at the various gods or purported gods that exist throughout the world and that have existed throughout history, they all sort of fall in that category. They want to be Lord of all. They want to sit on Mount Olympus or whatever it might be and look down on, on their creation. Uh, God doesn't look down on us, but we know that God is deserving of that position. He is an awesome God. He is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And because of that, he is worthy and deserving of, of being uh, the, the recipient of that title of Lord of our lives. Uh, we read in John 14 uh, these words that Jesus uh, replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And so we're supposed to, we're supposed to re respect him. We're supposed to revere him. We're supposed to be obedient to the things that he calls us to. We're supposed to know him as Lord. And again, all gods sort of uh, find themselves in that position. It's, it's from here on that the one true God uh, distinguishes himself from all of the other gods uh, that purportedly are out there. Because the, the next step we see is not only are we called to know him as, as Lord, we're called to know him as Savior. In uh, Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Now think of these other uh, purported gods that are out there. Would they give their life for their creation? Well, no, absolutely not. The last thing they would want to do is, is sacrifice for the creation. It's, it's the creation that's supposed to sacrifice for them. There's supposed to be grain offerings and animal offerings uh, in sort of a sad, almost sick way uh, for some of the gods, especially in Old Testament times. The, the sacrifice that was required was uh, the, the sons and daughters had to be thrown into the fire that was part of being a Baal worshiper. That was the sort of mindset that they had, but that's not how God is in relationship with us. He came to sacrifice for us. Because he's a just God, there had to be some atonement for the sins that mark our lives, and so he paid that price for us. He paid that price that we couldn't pay. So we know him as Lord, we know him as Savior, but he, he, he goes down, he digs down even a little bit deeper than that, and he calls us friend. Think about that again, these, these, these high, mighty uh, gods on, on high in these other faiths or, or belief systems, would they want to be friend with the, their creation? No, they'd want as much distance as possible because they're God and you're not. But that's not true for our God. In John 15, 15, it says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant uh, does not know his master's business. Instead... I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. What an incredible thing that God has done for us. He's invited us to be a part of his circle of friends. I'm not going to see that in any other faith or belief system. And if we, if we stopped right there, it would be extraordinary. It would be mind-boggling to be in that kind of relationship with the God of the universe. But God doesn't stop there. We see that in his demonstration of, of love, he goes one more step. And that step is, I think, as far as he can go. And that is, he calls us not only a friend, he calls us family. We're part of the very family of God. In 1 John 3, 1, it says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And in fact, that's exactly what we are. Children of God. I'm, I'm a son of God. You're maybe a son of God or a daughter of God. We're part of God's family through, through that adoption of, of embracing us into, into his clan, his, his heavenly clan. We are his kids. We are his children. And so it's because of that that we don't have to just view God from on high, though we do want to still hold him in reverence and respect and honor. But instead, we could get to that place where we view him as Abba, as father, as daddy, if we really look at the true meaning of that. What a, a great image of intimacy, of closeness, of personalness. And that's, that's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the kind of relationship that he desires to be in with you and with me. And so as we think about this extraordinary demonstration of, of love that, that God has laid out, um, oh, then we move to the next question is, well, what happens if we choose to receive that love? You see, God gives us a choice. We don't have to, but if we do choose, what, what do we see? What, ha what happens if we accept God's love? Well, the list of benefits and rewards is, is far too long for us to, to look at today or even in a, in a lengthy series. So let me just give you a couple of things. One that's, that's sort of a, um, 
a benefit that we've known for a long time, one that seems more maybe apropos to today's age. But the first one that we've always been mindful of is, is that one of those things that we receive, we experience, is eternal life. We get to know eternal life. Eternal life, that, that never-ending, life-giving, joy-filling relationship with God as Father and as Son and as Holy Spirit. And because God's love is universal, because it's, it's who he is by definition, he extends that gift of eternal life uh, to everyone. In, in John 3.36, we read, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son. So it doesn't matter any of the divisions that we tend to put in life. Uh, gender, socioeconomic, uh, race, all of those things that are divisive for us in our world, those are uh, non-existent to God. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. We see that eternal life is a reward for entering into relationship with God, of, of, of coming to know his son in a personal way, of accepting that gift of, of Christ giving his life on the cross. For that to happen, we see that, uh, that we have to believe. Uh, we know that scripture tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so there needs to be that element of belief. We need to believe in who he is, what he's done for us. And one of the demonstrations of that and sort of a follow-up to that is, is what's also referenced here. We, we need to then obey God. We need to be faithful in, in the following of his teaching and of, of his instruction. But we need to be willing to, to relinquish um, our wants and our desires, our agendas, to, to try to fulfill to the best of our ability, and we all stumble on that, but to the best of our ability, God's desires, God's will for our life. You see, one of the wonderful things is that if we'll do those, then we can enter into this, this eternal uh, knowledge, this eternal walk, this eternal relationship uh, with God. Uh, unfortunately, though, God offers this to everyone uh, who exists in our world today. Scripture also tells us that because of pride, because of ego, because of conceit, wanting to be in control, uh, that many, even most, will refuse that gift, will refuse that offer. If we read elsewhere in Scripture, we see then in the Gospel of Matthew, the seventh chapter, Jesus had this to say, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Uh, we see that, that unfortunately, for, uh, for too many in our world today, they're, they're going to choose to turn their back on God, to walk away from him, to reject this gift that he's given. And we're going to see that not only for those outside the church, but sadly, um, there's going to be some in the church that fall in that category, which is going to be such a shock. I think, for them. And yet we know that that's the case because we see numerous verses that point to that. One of those is in Matthew 15, 8, where Jesus again says, these people, referring to some of the, uh, the Jews of that day, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, they'll, they'll have the head knowledge 
about who Christ is, about what he desires to be in terms of relationship, but, but it never makes it down to the heart. They never really embody what it means to be um, obedient, uh, to be faithful, uh, to be willing to sacrifice self on, on behalf of others. And so what they do is they embody all the outward appearances. They may have the look, they may have the words, they may have the, the nice big Bible, they may have all of the Bible knowledge, but when it comes to actually living that out, living that out in terms of their relationship with God, living that out in terms of their relationship with others, it's their wants, their needs that become the focus. Um, and they end up uh, turning away or rejecting those things that God would call them to. What is it that we receive if we enter into this, this love relationship with God? Well, one of the things is we, we get this gift of eternal life. But there's a second thing, and I think this is more apropos to the, the culture in which we live today, and, and that's the idea of this, that we can feel acceptance rather than feeling ashamed, that we can feel accepted rather than feeling ashamed. And it seems to me, maybe it's just me, but it seems to me that increasingly we, we live in a world where people seem to either experience no shame or they're consumed by shame. On the one end of the spectrum, we have, have people who don't seem to exhibit any regret or remorse or embarrassment, no matter how bad or immoral or unethical or profane or even evil things might be. There's just no... Um, uh, there's just no sadness in their hearts at all for those things. And on the other end, we see people who, who don't seem to be able to let go of, of, of things that have happened in their lives, of poor decisions that they made, of, of, of things they thought or, or, or done that have been harmful or hurtful uh, to others. And so they don't seem to be able to break free of the, the guilt or the shame or even the, the self-contempt that's with them. That's with them, if not every moment, then at least every day. Just this last week, I saw a video of a, of a young man who talked about what life had been like before he'd come to know Christ. And this guy, I would guess, was 24 or 25. And he describes how uh, prior to, to entering into a relationship with Jesus, uh, when he would look in the, in the mirror, the thing that he would feel every single time he looked at his reflection was disgust. He was disgusted, disgusted by what he saw when he looked at himself in the mirror. Folks, there's too many people that, that share in that. I hope that's not true for you because that's not what God's plan is for us. Now, I will say that I think some of this awareness of our shortcomings is a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. I think God is, in fact, in a sort of intense way, doing some of the, uh, the, the sifting of the, uh, of the wheat. I think he's, he's separating the, the sheep from the, the goat. I think as we, we feel some of that uh, guilt or remorse, that's the Holy Spirit. But, but God doesn't want us to live there. He doesn't want that to define us. Yes, something so much better, so much more wonderful for us. In John 3, we, we read this great uh, uh, promise. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And who's the world? Well, the world's you. And it's me. 
Jesus came to this earth not to, uh, to be this, this big heavenly bully. He came to, to wrap his arms around us, to, to enter into relationship with us. And that happens as we, as we come to know the love of God and, and in turn give him our love as well. And I, 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 um, I find great reassurance. I was going to say I love, but that's using love a lot. I love the promise that we find in, in Ephesians 3 where Paul describes it with these words. Listen carefully what, what Paul has to say. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit. So is, is the power found in, in our strength? No. The power, power is found in God's spirit, in your inner being. God speaks to that deepest part of who we are, that, that, that soul, that heart of our existence, so that, through, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, he's speaking to us now, I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? In love. Whose love? Our love? No. Uh, So that you being rooted and established in God's love may have power, God's power, together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And think for just a moment about what he's said here about the love of God. How wide is uh, the love of God? Well, it's wide enough to be every where? You see, just because we don't see something doesn't mean that it's not there. We live in a world where that's truer today than it's ever been because we've got all these waves bouncing around. There's microwaves and radio waves that, that are constantly surrounding us. They're always there, but until we, we get a receiver and sort of tune into that, we're not aware of it. Well, God is that receiver. The Holy Spirit is that receiver for us. And, and if we'll tune into God's presence of his love, what we find is it is and has always been there around us. Scripture tells us that Jesus is constantly knocking at the door of our hearts, just waiting for that moment when we'll open it up and invite him in. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere, and it's long enough to last Forever. Forever. You see, in today's world, we we very seldom see a a very good uh, representation of what long-term love looks like. I think probably the the best institution that conveys that is the family. We probably see it more than than anywhere else in the family. But but the reality is, even in the family today, it falls short too often. Uh, We see the divorce creeps in, or we see that that siblings have a falling out between one another. We we see uh, kids becoming estranged from their parents, or parents estranged from their kids. And and what we end up with is this this idea, this this mindset that, that love, even familial love, sort of eventually wears out. But folks, that is not true with God's love. God's love for us never, ever, ever, ever wears out, never goes away. He never stops loving us. What happens if you turn your back on him? God still loves you. What happens if you commit a horrific sin or maybe a number of bad sins? God still loves you. What happens if you haven't spoken to him in years? God still loves you. What happens if you've never spoken to him? 
God still loves you. Because his love isn't conditional. It's always there. All we have to do is respond. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere. It's, it's long enough to last forever. It's deep enough to handle anything that might be a part of our lives. See, no matter how badly things might be going, at the moment, God's love can, can help you overcome that. God's love is there beside you. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Brett, uh, you know, I, for me, my life is just the pits right now. I'm in the pit, as a matter of fact. I'm in the, the pit of, of despair. I'm in the pit of depression. I'm in the pit of, of sorrow. I'm, I'm maybe even the, in the pit of self-loathing. And folks, I'm telling you that no matter how deep that pit is, that God's love goes even deeper. Uh, no matter how wide, no, no matter how far, no matter how deep, and then finally, no matter how high. What is that calling, that first calling that God has given to us? Well, it's to love and be loved by God. The first calling isn't to be successful in life. It's not to get a college degree, it's not to, uh, to get married, it's not to buy a house, it's not to accrue a big 401k, it's not uh, to do any of those kinds of things that the world exalts. The first calling that God gives us is to love and be loved by God. We know that his love is there for us in all ways. In fact, in, in a way that it's high enough to to overcome any sin that might have existed in our life. God's love is there for us. And yet again, I would remind you that for too many people, it's a love that they haven't experienced because they've never made the decision to invite Jesus into their hearts. They've never made that transition from, from head to heart. They only view love as, as a conditional entity, but that's not the way God's love is. He loves you on the good days, and he loves you on the bad days. He loves you when you, you think you deserve his love, and he loves you when you don't think you deserve his love. He loves you when you feel that love, and he, he loves you when you're not feeling it. It's always there because, well, again, it's a part of who he is. God is love. And so remember, as we, we look at this verse here, because of, of Christ, because of his spirit, because of his power, because of his love at work in our inner being, that we can live as accepted rather than as ashamed. What's the first calling that God gives to us? Well, it's to love and to be loved by God. That's the most important thing uh, that we can possibly know. And it's the one thought that I hope that you'll take with you uh, from our time today. This past Wednesday, uh, I had uh, the joy of having Marguerite stop by my office, and she uh, dropped off these little, uh, I think they're little Debbie cupcakes, um, uh, except it was shaped in a heart, kind of a treat there. Um, and it was a Valentine's sort of theme on that. And, and as I was thinking, it's, it's really the first Valentine uh, that I've received, except from Anne, my wife, for probably 45 years, maybe even 50 years. And I've got to tell you, in addition to really loving the taste of the little uh, treats that were there, um, just receiving that made me feel good. I'm not 
sure why. Maybe it's because I, I, I saw that someone cared. Well, folks, God cares for you. And so I'm, I want to leave you with the, your own kind of little valentine for this day. It's, it's up on the screen there. And it's just one more reminder of the fact that God does love you more than you can possibly know. May that fill you this day with peace. May that fill you this day with joy. May that fill your heart with happiness as we celebrate that fact. That not only does God love us, but we can be in a love relationship with him this day and every day. Amen.